0: Chapter twenty one of K This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Recording by Stephen Seidel Chapter twenty one of K by Mary Robert Schreinhart. Sidney went into the operating room late in the spring as the result of a conversation between the younger Wilson and the head. "'When are you going to put my protege into the operating room?' asked Wilson, meeting Miss Gregg in a corridor one bright spring afternoon. "'That usually comes in the second year, Dr. Wilson.' He smiled down at her. "'That isn't a rule, is it?' "'Not exactly. Miss Page is very young.' And, of course, there are other girls who have not yet had the experience. But if you make the request... Well, I'm going to have some good cases soon. I'll not make a request, of course. But if you see fit, it would be good training for Miss Page. Miss Gregg went on, knowing perfectly that at his next operation, Dr. Wilson would expect Sidney Page in the operating room. The other doctors were not so exigent. She would have liked to have had all the staff old and settled, like Dr. O'Hara or the older Wilson. These young men came in and tore things up. She sighed as she went on. There were so many things to go wrong. The butter had been bad. She must speak to the matron. The sterilizer in the operating room was out of order. That meant a quarrel with the chief engineer. Requisitions were too heavy. That meant going around to the wards and suggesting to the head nurses that lead pencils and bandages and adhesive plasters and safety pins cost money. It was particularly inconvenient to move Sydney just then. Carlotta Harrison was off duty ill. She had been ailing for a month, and now she was down with a temperature. As the head went towards Sydney's ward, her busy mind was playing her nurses and their wards like pieces on a checkerboard. Sydney went into the operating room that afternoon. For her blue uniform, kerchief, and cap, she exchanged the hideous operating room garb, long straight white gown with short sleeves and mob cap, grey-white from many sterilizations. But the ugly costume seemed to emphasize her beauty, as the habit of a nun often brings out the placid saintliness of her face. The relationship between Sidney and Max had reached the point that occurs in all relationships between men and women, when things must either go forward or go back, but cannot remain as they are. The condition had existed for the last three months. It exasperated the man. As a matter of fact, Wilson could not go ahead. The situation with Carlotta had become tense, irritating. He felt that she stood ready to block any move he made. He would not go back, and he dared not go forward. If Sidney was puzzled, she kept it bravely to herself. In her little room at night, with the door carefully locked, she tried to think things out. There were a few treasures that she looked over regularly, a dried flower from the Christmas roses, a label that he had pasted playfully on the back of her hand one day after the rush of surgical dressings was over, in which said, Rx, take once and forever there was another piece of paper over which sydney spent much time it was a page torn out of an order book and it read "Sigsby may have light diet rosenfield massage underneath was written very small you are the most beautiful person in the world two reasons had prompted wilson to request to have sydney in the operating room he wanted her with him and he wanted her to see him at work the age-old instinct of the male to have his woman see him at his best he was in high spirits that first day of sidney's operating room experience for the time at least carlotta was out of the way her somber eyes no longer watched him once he looked up from his work and glanced at sidney where she stood at strained attention feeling faint he said she colored under the eyes that were turned to her no doctor wilson a great many of them faint on the first day. We sometimes have them lying all over the floor." He challenged Miss Gregg with his eyes and she reproved him with a shake of her head as she might a bad boy. One way or another he managed to turn the attention of the operating room to Sydney several times. It suited his whim and it did more than that. It gave him a chance to speak to her in his teasing way. Sydney came through the operation as if she had been through fire, taut as a string, rather pale but undaunted. But when the last case had been taken out, Max dropped his bantering manner. The interns were looking over their instruments. The nurses were busy on the 101 tasks of clearing up. So he had a chance for a word with her alone. I am proud of you, Sidney. You came through it like a soldier. You made it very hard for me a nurse was coming toward him he had only a moment i shall leave a note in the mailbox," he said quickly and proceeded with a scrubbing of his hands which signified the end of the day's work the operations had lasted until late in the afternoon the night nurses had taken up their stations prayers were over the interns were gathered in the smoking-room threshing over the day's work as was their custom When Sidney was free, she went into the office for the note. It was very brief. I have something I want to say to you, dear. I think you know what it is. I never see you alone at home any more. If you can get off for an hour, won't you take the trolley to the end of Division Street? I'll be there with a car at 8.30 and I promise to have you back by 10 o'clock. Max. The office was empty. No one saw her as she stood by the mailbox. The ticking of the office clock, the heavy rumble of a dray outside, the roll of the ambulance as it went through the gateway, and in her hand the realization of what she had never confessed as a hope even to herself. He, the Great One, was going to stoop to her. It Had been in his eyes that afternoon, it was there in his letter now. It was eight by the office clock, to get out of her uniform and into street clothing. 15 minutes on the trolley another 15 she would need to hurry but she did not meet him after all miss wardell met her in the upper hall did you get my message she asked anxiously what message miss harrison wants to see you she has been moved to a private room sidney glanced at Kay's little watch must she see me tonight she has been waiting for hours ever since you went into the operating room Sidney sighed, but she went to Carlotta at once. The girl's condition was puzzling the staff. There was talk of T.R., which is hospital for typhoid restrictions. But T.R. has apathy generally, and Carlotta was not apathetic. Sidney found her tossing restlessly on her high white bed and put her cool hand over Carlotta's hot one. Did you send for me? Hours ago then, seeing her operating room uniform, You've been there, have you? Is there anything I can do for you, Carlotta? Excitement had dyed Sidney's cheeks with color and made her eyes luminous. The girl in the bed eyed her and then abruptly drew her hand away. Were you going out? Yes, but not right away. I'll not keep you if you have an engagement. The engagement will have to wait. I'm sorry you're ill. If you would like me to stay with you tonight... Carlotta shook her head on her pillow. "'Mercy, no,' she said irritably. "'I am only worn out. I need a rest. Are you going home tonight?' "'No,' Sidney admitted and flushed. Nothing escaped Carlotta's eyes. The younger girl's radiance, her confusion, even her operating room uniform and what it signified. How she hated her with her youth and freshness, her wide eyes, her soft red lips. And this engagement... She had the uncanny divination of fury. "'I was going to ask you to do something for me,' she said shortly, "'but I've changed my mind about it. "'Go on and keep your engagement.' To end the interview, she turned over and lay with her face to the wall. Sidney stood waiting uncertainly. All her training had been to ignore the irritability of the sick, and Carlotta was very ill. She could see that. "'Just remember that I am ready to do anything I can, Carlotta,' she said nothing will will be a, a trouble she waited a moment but receiving no acknowledgment of her offer she turned slowly and went toward the door then Sidney, she went back to the bed yes don't sit up carlotta what is it i'm frightened you're feverish and nervous there's nothing to be frightened about if it's typhoid i'm gone well, that's childish of course you're not gone or anything like it Besides, it's probably not typhoid. I'm afraid to sleep. I doze for a little, and when I waken, there are people in the room. They stand around the bed and talk about me. Sidney's precious minutes were flying, but Carlotta had gone into a paroxysm of terror, holding on to Sidney's hand and begging not to be left alone. I'm too young to die, she would whimper, and in the next breath, I want to die. I don't want to live. The hands of the little watch pointed to 8.30 when at last she lay quiet with closed eyes. Sidney, tiptoeing to the door, was brought up short by her name again, this time in a more normal voice. Sidney. Yes, dear. Perhaps you're right, and I'm going to get over this. Certainly you are. Your nerves are playing tricks with you tonight. I'll tell you now why I sent for you. I'm listening. But if I get very bad you know what i mean will you promise to do exactly what i tell you i promise absolutely my trunk key is in my pocketbook there is a letter in the tray just a name no address on it promise to see that it is not delivered that it is destroyed without being read Sydney promised promptly and because it was too late now for her meeting with wilson for the next hour she devoted herself to making carlotta comfortable so long as she was busy a sort of exaltation of service upheld her but when at last the night assistant came to sit with the sick girl and sidney was free all the life faded from her face he had waited for her and she had not come would he understand would he ask to meet her again perhaps after all his question had not been what she had thought she went miserably to bed Kay's little watch ticked under her pillow. Her stiff cap moved in the breeze as it swung from the corner of her mirror. Under her window passed and repassed the nightlife of the city. taxicabs, stealthily painted women, tired office cleaners trudging home at midnight, a city patrol wagon which rolled in through the gates to the hospital's always open door. When she could not sleep, she got up and padded to the window in bare feet, the light from a passing machine showed a youthful figure that looked like Joe Drummond. Life, that had always seemed so simple, was growing very complicated for Sydney. Joe and Kay, Palmer and Christine, Johnny Rosenfeld, Carlotta, either lonely or tragic, all of them, or both. Life in the raw. Toward morning, Carlotta wakened. The night assistant was still there it had been a quiet night and she was asleep in her chair to save her cap she had taken it off and early streaks of silver showed in her hair carlotta roused her ruthlessly i want something from my trunk she said the assistant wakened reluctantly and looked at her watch almost morning she yawned and pinned on her cap for heaven's sakes she protested you don't want me to go to the trunk room at this hour I can go myself, said Carlotta, and put her feet out of the bed. What is it you want? A letter on the top tray. If I wait, my temperature will go up and I can't think. Shall I mail it for you? Bring it here, said Carlotta shortly. I want to destroy it. The young woman went without haste to show that a night assistant may do such things out of friendship, but not because she must she stopped at the desk where the night nurse in charge of the rooms on that floor was filling out records give me the private patients to look after instead of one nurse like carlotta harrison she complained i've got to go to the trunk room for her at this hour and it's next door to the mortuary as the first rays of the summer sun came through the window SHADOWING THE FIRE ESCAPE LIKE LATTICE ON THE WALL OF THE LITTLE GRAY-WALLED ROOM, CARLOTTA SAT UP IN HER BED AND LIGHTED THE CANDLE ON THE STAND. THE NIGHT ASSISTANT, WHO DREAMED SOMETIMES OF FIRE, STOOD nervously BY. WHY DON'T YOU LET ME DO IT? SHE ASKED IRRITABLY. CARLOTTA DID NOT REPLY AT ONCE. THE CANDLE WAS IN HER HAND AND SHE WAS STARING AT THE LETTER. BECAUSE I WANT TO DO IT MYSELF, SHE SAID AT LAST and thrust the envelope into the flame it burned slowly at first a thin blue flame tipped with yellow then eating its way with a small fine crackling a widening destroying blaze that left behind it black ash and destruction the acrid odor of burning filled the room not until it was consumed and the black ash fell into the saucer of the candlestick did carlotta speak again Then. If every fool of a woman who wrote a letter burnt it, there would be a lot less trouble in the world, she said, and lay back among her pillows. The assistant said nothing. She was sleepy and irritated, and she had crushed her best cap by letting the lid of Carlotta's trunk fall on her. She went out of the room with a disapproval in every line of her back. She burned it, she informed the night nurse at the desk. A letter to a man, one of her suitors, I suppose. The name was Kay Moyne. The deepening and broadening of Sidney's character had become very noticeable in the last few months. She had gained in decision without becoming hard, had learned to see things as they are, not through the rose mist of early girlhood, and far from being daunted, had developed a philosophy that had for its basis God and his heaven and all well with the world. But her new theory of acceptance did not comprehend everything. She was in a state of wild revolt, for instance, as to Johnny Rosenfeld, and more remotely but not less deeply concerned over Gray Serving. Soon she was to learn of Tilly's predicament, and to take up the cudgels valiantly for her. But her revolt was to be for herself, too. On the day after her failure to keep her appointment with Wilson, she had her half-holiday. No word had come from him, and when, after a restless night, she went to her new station in the operating room, it was to learn that he had been called out of the city in consultation and would not operate that day. O'Hara would take advantage of the free afternoon to run in some odds and ends of cases. The operating room made gauze that morning and small packets of tampons absorbent cotton covered with sterilized gauze and fastened together twelve by careful count in each bundle miss grange who had been kind to sydney in her probation months taught her the method used instead of sponges she explained if you noticed yesterday they were counted before and after each operation one of these missing is worse than a bank clerk out a dollar at the end of the day There's no closing up until it's found. Sidney eyed the small packet before her anxiously. What a hideous responsibility, she said. From that time on, she handled the small gauze sponges almost reverentially. The operating room, all glass, white enamel, and shining nickel plate, first frightened, then thrilled her. It was as if... Having loved a great actor, she now trod the enchanted boards on which he achieved his triumphs. She was glad that it was her afternoon off, and that she would not see some lesser star, O'Hara to wit, usurping his place. But Max had not sent her any word. That hurt. He must have known that she had been delayed. The operating room was a hive of industry, and tongues kept pace with fingers, the hospital was a world, like the street. The nurses had come from many places and, like cloistered nuns, seemed to have left the other world behind. A new president of the country was less real than a new intern. The country might wash its soiled linen in public. What was that compared with enough sheets and towels for the wards? Big buildings were going up in the city. Ah but the hospital took cognizance of that gathering as it did a toll from each new story added what news of the world came in through a great doors was translated at once into hospital terms what the city forgot the hospital remembered it took up life where the town left it at its gates and carried it on or saw it ended as the case might be so these young women knew the ending of many stories the beginning of some but of none did they know both the first and the last the beginning and the end by many small kindnesses sydney had made herself popular and there was more to it than that she never shirked the other girls had the respect for her of one honest worker for another the episode that had caused her suspension seemed almost entirely forgotten they showed her carefully what she was to do and because she must know the why of everything they explained as best they could it was while she was standing by the great sterilizer that she heard through an open door part of a conversation that sent her through her day with her world in revolt the talkers were putting the anesthetizing room in readiness for the afternoon sydney waiting for the time to open the sterilizer was busy for the first time in a hurried morning with her own thoughts. Because she was very human, there was a little exultation in her mind. What would these girls say when they learned how things stood between her and their hero? That out of all this world of society and clubs and beautiful women, he was going to choose her. Not shamefulness, the honest pride of a woman in being chosen from many. The voices were very clear. Typhoid? Of course not. She's eating her heart out. Do you think he really has broken with her? Probably not. She knows it's coming, though, that's all. Sometimes I have wondered. So have others. She oughtn't to be here, of course. But among so many, there is bound to be one now and then who who isn't quite. She hesitated, at a loss for a word. Did you... Did you ever think over that trouble with Miss Page about the medicines? That would have been easy, and like her. She hates Miss Page, of course, but I hardly think, if that's true, it was nearly murder. There were two voices, a young one, full of soft southern inflections, and an older voice, a trifle hard as from disillusion. They were working as they talked. Sidney could hear the clatter of bottles on a tray, the scraping of a moved table. He was crazy about her last fall. Miss Page? The younger voice, with a thrill in it. Carlotta, of course, this is confidential. Surely. I saw her with him in his car one evening, and on her vacation last summer, the voices dropped to a whisper. Sidney, standing cold and white by the sterilizer, put out a hand to steady herself. So that was it. No wonder Carlotta had hated her. And those whispering voices, what were they saying? How hateful life was, and men, and women. Must there always be something hideous in the background? Until now, she had only seen life. Now she felt its hot breath on her cheek. She was steady enough in a moment, cool and calm, moving about her work with ice-cold hands and slightly narrowed eyes. To a sort of physical nausea was succeeding anger, a blind fury of injured pride. He had been in love with Carlotta and had tired of her. He was bringing her his warmed-over emotions. She remembered the bitterness of her month's exile and that probable cause. Max had stood by her then, well, he might if he suspected the truth. For just a moment she had an illuminating flash of wilson as he really was selfish and self-indulgent just a trifle too carefully dressed daring as to eye and speech with a carefully calculated daring frankly pleasure-loving she put her hands over her eyes the voices in the next room had risen above their whisper genius has its privileges of course said the older voice he is a very great surgeon "'Tomorrow he is to do the Edwards operation again. "'I am glad I am to see him do it.' "'Sidney held her hands over her eyes. "'He was a great surgeon. "'In his hands he held the keys of life and death. "'And perhaps he had never cared for Carlotta. "'She might have thrown herself at him. "'He was a man at the mercy of any scheming woman. "'She tried to summon his image to her aid, "'but a curious thing happened she could not visualize him. Instead, there came, clear and distinct, a picture of Le Lemoyne in the hall of the little house, reaching one of his long arms to the chandelier over his head and looking up at her as she stood on the stairs. End of chapter 21